0: well good
1: afternoon everybody welcome thank you for being among the brave who continue on in the afternoon hours after coffee has worn off and you could be taking a nap i know but thank you so much for coming out i appreciate that a lot my name is jay mosser i'm a pastor in the northwest about an hour south of seattle and i have been in some kind of pastoral work for about 41 years i did 20 years or so in assistant pastor, youth pastor, whatever it is, uh, roles, worked with four different senior pastors during those years, and then switched to a lead role. Uh, at that time, the only guy, along with Kevin here, he was a, uh, what do you call you that? Pastoral something. Pastoral assistant. Pastoral assistant, that's right, back in 2001, and uh, had been there you know, for 21 years. So, um, I'm pleased to be able to talk to you. Um, this this topic is, is very close to my heart because hurting people are always around us in ministry. And not only are they around us, they are us. Um, I've been around long enough to know that the wounds of, of grief and loss and death and ministry are not just the things we help people with. Um, they, they weigh on us. So I want us here today to think not only in terms of of, of carrying grief and helping people with grief in a ministry sense like us giving that kind of care. But I'd like us to think about this in terms of our own hearts because uh, there's a lot of a lot of grief that we carry too as ministry leaders. So I want to tap into that and allow us the freedom to think about that together too. All right? So I want to pray and then uh, get started here. I've got a number of things to, to think with you about. And I also have got built into this a couple of moments for us to talk. No, no, for you to talk. Find someone near you who looks friendly, and uh, you'll have a few moments to talk about a couple of things. But I want to pray for us, for God's help and his presence in this. Our Father, thank you for giving us the privilege of life and of ministry. Uh, Thank you for Jesus. Not only do we seek to proclaim him, but we are very aware as ministry leaders that we we need Christ ourselves, Christ the Savior, Christ the Redeemer, Christ the Healer. And I pray that as we think about these things this afternoon that you would help us, uh, equip us, help us to step into those areas that, oh my goodness, all of us could tell stories, I know. But would you help us today as a group to think well and think deeply here as you help us in Jesus' name? So I want, first of all, to think with you about early experiences of grief. And I'm going to go quickly here. This is, this is a let's talk, but it's me talking, okay? You'll have a chance in just a couple of moments. But uh, now about 40, uh, 41 years ago or so, maybe a little longer than that, I was, I was an intern back in Bremerton those days. And um, very, working on Bible College, all of those things, very new to all of this ministry stuff. And the pastor I was working with was heading out on vacation, and uh, it was going to be me. So before he left, I mean, everybody was healthy. There were no imminent threats in the church. So he said, well, here's this, here's this. You're going to preach, et cetera, et cetera. And oh, by the way, over here on my shelf, here are some books on funerals. I've got a few outlines in there and some poems and things. Don't think you'll need this, but that's where it's at in case you do. See ya. And off he went. It might have been to a national convention. It's possible. So off he went, and of course, within a day or two, you know how these things go, uh, the phone rang. And in this case, it was my sister, um, who's now with uh, the Lord, um, who called me to say, my my neighbor just lost his wife. It's an older couple. They live in a, in a very small mobile home, uh, kind of housebound, um, professed faith, but she just died this morning. And they don't have any care. And Ed's down there in the trailer. By himself. Would you come? So I thought, well, sure, yes, I'm eager to do that, but I have no idea. I had not been through any classes on what you're supposed to do. I'd not been coached in this at all. So I thought, well, I'm going to go find out. So I made my way out there. I knew where the place was and stopped and knocked on the door. And my sister had told uh, Mr. Barrett that I was coming. So here's this young whippersnapper guy and this older man. And he invited me in and sat down and I spent probably three hours with him doing the best I could. Um, Tell me about your wife. Walk me through the years. Tell me what happened this morning. Wow! Didn't have a landline. No phone. This was before cell phones. And she fell, you know, fell down and he knew it was terrible and you know, tried to get her breathing and did everything he could as a husband but knew if I'm going to get help he's got to go to the neighbors which was down a hill and then get back up and he knew that if he left, there was no chance, but if he kept trying, there was no chance. So he left her there on the floor of that little trailer and went down and made the call to get help and came back, and sure enough. So I, I walked with him through that, did my first funeral, first graveside. Um, I remember uh, this, that event very, very clearly. One of the things I remember is going to this funeral home where the service was held, First time really doing that, and there's a chair down there by the little pulpit you're supposed to go sit in if you're the pastor. And uh, Mr. Barrett came in, and his mom was still alive. So she, you know, he was he was older, and she was older yet. So he's helping her come in and sit down, and and uh, then I went down and sat down in front. And his mom had that was her first look at me. I mean, I remember her watching her poke her her son Ed and say. Is that the pastor? And I thought, like, oh, Lord Jesus, help me now. Because I've got to go do this thing, not only for Mr. Barrett, but for his mother. But anyway, those, that, 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 the names and the circumstances have been indelibly printed on my mind, and there have been many more since. Like many of you, I have I had the privilege of walking with people who knew they were dying due to whatever illness to be present with families where there was a sudden death and you arrive and their loved one is still on the floor. Um, I have beat EMS there a few times. And uh, when they say, is there a pastor you can call? and They say, well, he's here already. He needs you guys. That's happened. I have, I have cared for young people. Um, I have held babies in my arms who have died like many of you. And all of those circumstances leave a mark on our souls. And if we are good... Pastors and pastors' wives. Uh, these things affect us deeply. They mark us. And so I want to I want to think with you about this. And that the, the, there are going to be three areas I want to think with you about. The first one is about us. And so I, I want to read some scriptures here. And, and I'm not going to spend uh, time enough on these to preach a whole sermon. But I want to just remind you here of things that I know you know. But about things about the presence of God in our suffering and his nearness to us. So I just selected these few, and they are that. But in Psalm 34, we read this The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry for help. The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil. To remove all memory of them from the earth. We kind of like that verse. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves those, rescues those who are crushed in spirit. One who is righteous has many adversaries, but the Lord rescues him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil brings death to the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. The Lord redeems the life of his servants, and all who take refuge in him will not be punished or condemned. I'm using the CSB right now for my Bible reading this year. I preached ESB, but I'm using this So that's what I'm reading to you. Psalm fifty six. Psalm fifty six. I'll get there in a second. Yeah, Psalm fifty six. Be gracious to me, O God, for a man is trampling me. He fights and oppresses me all day long. My adversaries trample me all day, for many arrogantly fight against me. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? You Look down to verse 8. You yourself have recorded my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Are any of your tears in his book? I know that's true. I know that's true. John 11, I will remind you of. This is the story of Mary and Martha. I know if you preached at funerals. You have likely used John 11 as a text. and survived many times. And I often remind people in those settings that when Mary and Martha come to Jesus they, they make a statement but it's really a question. The, the statement is Lord if you'd been here my brother would not have died. There's an implied question. Do you hear it? Lord where were you? Where were you? Um, it's not accusatory necessarily, but Lord, if you've been there. I remember that was the text I used um, in 2010. Uh, it was right after National Convention. In fact, uh, I had got a phone call right after our, an evening meeting that a young couple in our church had died together in a car accident. Young couple. I saw it and They were in a car. Three other people. One was their little boy. Uh, now adopted by his grandparents in our church, but uh, he was—I think he was four at the time—and their car rolled, one car accident. Mom and dad both died. and I was on sabbatical, and of course went <laughs> went home from here and 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 cared for the family and preached that service. Sean and Lindsay, 400 people wanting to know why, where is God when a young couple rolls their car in a single car accident and dies? Where is, where, is, where is God in this? When a little boy says to his grandma, Grandma, why was there blood coming out of my mommy's ears? Okay, this is your four-year-old grandson. You answer that. Wow, John 11. And I tell you, the room is quiet when you speak about those kinds of questions because everybody in the room had the same question. Lord, if you've been here, where were you that morning on I-90? You should have been there, Lord. You should have you should have cared for that. Hebrews 2 uh, and chapter 4, both of those texts I know that you know about Christ as our great high priest, the one who's very near to us, who, who, who conquered death, a great enemy. Now, there are a lot of texts we could go to, but I, I'd like to just lay the backdrop of, of God's compassion for us. So in these three areas, there are going to be several slides under each of these headings, And this is my first heading that you're going to read several times. Ministry leaders need to process grief themselves. I hope that you think about this as one who cares for other people. Um, I know we tend to think about grief the most, as I say here when it involves someone close to us. But I I know this as a pastor. Um, A lot of other things bring grief too, don't they? As we care for people whose marriages come apart, as we're involved with ministry crises that, that hurt us deeply, whether there is ministry betrayal, I won't ask for a show of hands. Um, got that t-shirt. The, the little bruises, no, the big bruises, the, the bites of flesh that are taken out of us as ministry leaders. Uh, I know that in any group of pastors and wives and other ministry leaders, there are deeply wounded people in the room. And others who aren't with us, because they're they're so deeply wounded that either they stepped out or they just couldn't imagine being around people right now. I've been in that place too, where you say, "Do you want to go to this?" And you go, yeah, "I don't even know if I want to be around people right now." Maybe you maybe you walk through that too, but that's grief. It sometimes shows up as anger, but it's it's grief. And I I, I mentioned here, boy, seasons of conflict. Uh, Ministry change. Sometimes people move from one place of ministry. It's not what they thought. And the, 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 the difficulty of heart, really, I think we're better off identifying it for what it is, and that is grief. It's an awareness that what once was is now gone and will never be the same again. Okay? Sometimes it's disillusionment. All kinds of things. Sometimes it's things of our children. Uh, I have three grown daughters, married, grandchildren, that stage. Um, For some, there are deep wounds that happen during that time. And there's grief, agonizing before the Lord. I was talking over some of these similar things uh, a month ago with brothers and sisters in Europe, with the European leadership forum present in the room, where folks from the war area, you, you want to talk about grief some of those folks who had seen things, they were, I was in Poland, some of them, I mean, here they were. Deeply grieving the loss of what was, and would, would, they know it'll never be the same again. So my question to you, a rhetorical question, so I don't need to answer this, but, but what do you do to care for your soul? What do you do? To, to, to grieve where does a pastor cry out to whom does a pastor cry out or a pastor's wife who understands yes God certainly yes are there humans in your life that that, that you can talk to how do you process grief I, I think everybody who's going to make it very long in ministry needs to think about that and maybe come up with some answers what are you going to do how do you process grief? Because we do grieve. Something important has been taken from me. And I will never it will never be quite the same again. And we grieve. We grieve. Now, I think this is a statement that maybe is, I think, obvious. I hope it is to us. Uh, this side of heaven, we're never truly done grieving. I don't mean that the joy of the Lord is not present. I don't mean that there are not good times. I simply mean that, that this walk, this, this has been described in many cases as a veil of, a veil of tears, this side of heaven. And I, I think often it is. We go from one place of pain, and sometimes to another, and to another, and to another. Grief is a process. It doesn't take place overnight. It's interesting to me, and I know you have seen the same thing, how people grieve very differently, even in terms of time. Meaning, some people lose a loved one or a spouse, for example, and years, years of sadness. And some, enough to where sometimes people say, come on, um, let it go. Come on, they're with the Lord, which always helps, right? No, no it doesn't. No, I, I think of Richard, who lost his wife. Now, oh boy, four or five years ago, and he was already kind of a melancholy person by personality, and some experiences in his life early on. Uh, But man, Richard is still deeply grieving his wife. He is. A a, a younger, a young lady. No, she's really not. I think she's probably my senior by a few years. She lost her husband, um, oh boy, ten years ago. And still... Feels that loss so deeply, it has never been able to imagine herself marrying another because she knows that whoever she would marry just would not be the same. Uh, so it's it, it's different for people. I, I just know that that's true, and um, it's I, I say that not only for our for how we care for others, but I say that for all of us. Uh, grief grief is different for us too. Um, maybe you carry some things that you've carried for a while as do I and you say okay I'm over it or not and it shows up again sometimes things remind us and we grieve we grieve again I've learned this to be true Um, as ministry leaders when we care for others we absorb their grief Have you found that to be true we absorb. You didn't, maybe you didn't know you did, but you absorb grief, uh, like a good sponge. And you're doing, in a sense, what God called you to do in weeping with those who weep, expressing joy with those who express joy. But I've discovered that, at least for my personality, maybe for yours, grief attaches itself and, and man, you carry this. And I—I There have been times in my life when there have have been extra griefs that have been, uh, maybe I didn't even notice. I remembering one moment when I, I, I was driving and um, I don't know why I was a listener to the radio. I don't know what I was doing. But I just felt such sadness roll over me. And I thought, what is wrong with you? And then I began to think. I actually began to cry. That, well, come on, Master, what's wrong with you? And then I began to think of the last year and that places where there had been grief or I had cared for people or had disappointments and I had grieved. Wow. I was helped in this a lot by an older pastor some years ago now. Uh, Kevin will remember these circumstances. Uh, this was 2002. Not that I keep trapped, but I know what year it was. Uh, that year, um, my wife's brother died Suddenly, in his 40s. Uh, he was back east, not married, uh, massive stroke, didn't show up for work. So they called mom, and somebody went into the apartment, and he was, in, I mean, he died overnight. And there's nobody back there to take care of all his stuff, so a whole bunch of us flew back there, and here's his apartment, like he left it. You get to pack up all his stuff, and then we met his work friends, and we did a funeral there for him. That was That was April. And I remember caring for my wife's mom in that. She'd already lost her husband. And now her only son has died. And then we did a service back home for people too. And and then over the summer months we got to step into uh, a church discipline situation. Oh, this was great. No, it lasted week upon week. Four months of meetings and confrontations and, and uh, man, i have been at that place a year and a half and I had not been through this before. Confrontations and and yelling, and, and a moment, I remember at elders' meeting, Kevin. I don't know if you were in there. Where, where one of our older men is right here, and the, the the family we're dealing with is over here. And there's a moment when this guy got up and lunged across the table at our dear aged, aged elder, and I realized to my horror I made a fist. So I thought, you touched that man. This is going to be one of those stories in the newspaper. I I mean, the fact that I moved and made a fist, I thought, oh, Lord. Wow. What is this? Well, that ended with us uh, stepping up in front of the church and saying, this family has been under church discipline. We've been invited not to worship with us anymore unless they repent. Which the answer was, not going to happen. See ya. So they left. And then... I think that culminated in about September or October. Then November, I get a call from my mom. Something's happened to your dad. So I hurry home. 40 minutes. Ambulance in the driveway. Open the back. Here's the gurney. Nobody on it. And I go in the house with my dad. What a year! This has been great! Um, So, the next spring. March, April um, Man, I'm just thinking I processed all that Did my dad's funeral um, Didn't know the Lord Helped my mom through that My mom came to Christ after she married my dad Taught me to pray for my dad When I was little Prayed for all those years Mom, here we are This is where it is Okay Did that So spring I'm just feeling like a truck ran over me Go to lunch with a couple of older pastors, and uh, get talking to one of them. You know, how you doing, Jay? Well, I don't know. I don't know if I. I don't know. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And we talked a bit about that, and he said, "Jay, here's the thing. Listen, you are sad. Be sad." Wow, that wasn't profound, but it was what I needed to hear. It was it was it was giving me permission to grieve. I guess I'd never thought about that. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to care for people, right? I'm supposed to fix this stuff. I mean, you walk along and come on, it's okay, right? No, not always. I remember that. Grieving is hard work. It takes an emotional toll. The other, let's see, um, who who said this? One of the other speakers, yesterday or the day before, uh, losing track, made a comment about the work of a, of a pastor or pastor's family, pastor's wife, in going from a, a wedding to a funeral. And that horrible disjuncture of the two. Yes, I have that t-shirt too. I remember leaving a courthouse after being a part of a very bad, uh, very painful, it was right, it was bad, difficult, painful conversation in the morning with the family, and the awareness as I talk to them, somebody needs to go to jail. Somebody needs to go to jail today. And walking them through that, why? And here's what's taken place. You didn't know, but here it is. And then the courthouse, and yes, the arrest has happened, and I'm watching this family just torn apart. And there's there's a birthday party that night. I've got 45 minutes to get across town and nobody knows about this and you get to spend the rest of the evening going yay, happy birthday to you and it's awful because you can't be the grumpy face you can't walk in and say I've had a hard day no you can't so you switch and you bury it yeah, you guys know I know you do you've had to do the same thing so Here's a time to talk. I would love for you to take, okay, five minutes, find somebody around you, one person, two people, I don't care. Just say what you would like about this. How have you experienced grief and loss? And maybe how are you experiencing grief and loss today? Some of you probably are, maybe even from something recently or maybe something from a long time ago. But I'd love for us to take five and let you talk. All right? So whatever you'd like to do with that, ready, go. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I was <laughs> in And I was in kind I so uh that I'm uh-huh. uh, i know. Game the three of a family, church and we all and hopefully they never cross over and then three, are and then the the I have doesn't have and so I've i mean, i so that was we went through a Allah is great. know, the that about um, this Such a young And I feel the be too And then on top of that, still in certain in story. That's what And going mm-hmm. uh, like to Years, the I have a good now, it was a idea the it was his was because the good people were taking through. And then there was a the sequence of So Well, and i will like to present the responsible AI strategy is a with the I believe and will help not the market of the i Got about one minute. All right. All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, my first category
1: then, my first category is a reminder to all of us that we are those who not only help others, but we are people who grieve. And we must learn to, to process grief ourselves. More on that thought in just a bit. Now, I want to shift to my second major heading. Ministry leaders can prepare the people they serve for seasons of grief and loss. Several slides with that as a kind of a major heading. And I I, I suppose I could have said should except I don't like saying shoulds. Right? It kind of sounds bad. But ministry leaders can prepare the people they serve for seasons of grief and loss. I say seasons because sometimes you've probably experienced this in your life there are, there are seasons that are maybe unusual where there's, there's more grief and loss for whatever reason. Whether there's multiple deaths or people moving or people disgruntled or whatever it is, it's a season. And sometimes you see it coming. Sometimes you see death coming as with illness. Sometimes you don't. But I, I believe very much that part of our leading and equipping our, our congregations and the people we serve is this, is helping our people learn how to handle and process and help others through seasons of grief and loss. And I, I remind us here, yes, of course, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Serve the Lord with gladness, come before His presence with joyful singing. Yes! And we grieve. Those are not opposing truths. Okay, We need to teach our folks that. Um, I remember some years ago getting a, a phone call, Living in Vancouver at the time, and a, a, a person called to say, can you tell me something about how your church worships? I well, thought that's kind of an interesting question, but sure. So I launched into that. And why do you ask? And he said, "Here's the thing. I I lost." And he told me about it. The circumstance. Here's here's the deal. And the church I go to is all about on your feet, hands in the air. God is great today, and I can't do it right now. I need a place to sit before the Lord. I mean, yes yes, the Lord is great, and yes, I'll be back to standing up and clapping, but is there any place I could go where at least there's periodically a song that that cares for the brokenhearted and the downtrodden? I mean, come on. I understood his heart. I understood his heart. So so we do need to understand with our folks, yes, we we grieve, we do, and we don't want to we don't want to, to despise or put guilt upon those who are grieving. You know this. Uh, Picture with me, funeral home, service about to start, and so on. Two people sitting in the front row, caskets up front. One person is stoic, sitting there, you know, uh, seems, I mean, we would say they're doing fine. The person next to them, weeping nearly uncontrollably, box of tissue on his or her lap. Okay, let me ask you, how are they doing? Who's fine? wow, well now hold on, how do you answer this? Because I think for a lot of us, we would look at the person who's, who's doing well. And we or others in our church would say, oh, they're doing so good. I mean, look at, I've got it together. And don't, don't you be fooled. Now maybe that's their personality. Maybe they're a little more stoic anyway. But you know, maybe that person's you. Possible. And maybe the person who's just reaping, maybe they're really the one doing fine. Could it be? Yes. You think about some of the circumstances. Joshua died. They took 30 days to grieve him. What do you think they did for 30 days? I think they grieved actively. Joshua told stories about his life. Come on. I, I suspect. Um, and then it's time to move on. Yeah, intro, I mean, that was Moses, right? Joshua was leading. Moses, to Moses by serving his dead. Yeah, so, something like that. You'll find it. 30, 30 days. Wow. Well, we do grieve. We do grieve. Not as those with no hope, but we do. Now, emotions, of course. Part of the image of God in every one of us. We carry it differently. Yes, we do. But image of God. Um, we, we, we need to help our folks learn how to handle emotions. Um, And I say here the full range of human emotion. Sometimes grief expressions are very raw. Do I have to tell you this? You know. Perhaps you, as I have, have had people curse in our presence in a moment of death. Um, And you rebuke them soundly, don't you? Well, no, wrong time, wrong time, wrong time. Um, I, that's happened to me. We do funerals for anybody in the community who comes. That's been kind of one of the areas we, we serve in terms of common grace. Um, we do funerals for other people free. The church is free, a pastor is free. So if you know somebody who, who needs pastoral care, we will, and we'll step alongside them wherever they're at with the Lord. We won't, we won't hurt them religiously. You know what I mean? Require a statement of faith before we'll. No, no, we'll care from right where they're at and hopefully bring them a little closer to Jesus. But, but sometimes those expressions of, of grief and loss are, are, are profound um, and we care for them and we help our folks learn how to handle emotion I've, I've gotten to do this um, as, a, as a congregation there have been settings where, where I, I, could see, I could see grief coming meaning, I'll talk more about this in a bit I think uh, we'll see um, in, a, in a certain year we had several ladies who were going to have babies. And we had two of our dear folks who were who were emotional hubs in our church. You know those people. And everybody knows that the joy of the Lord is their strength. And both of them are toward the end of their journey with cancer. Okay? For one, it had been a 20-year journey. For the other, it was like 14 months. And um, we, in his case, we moved a wedding from October to August so that he would still be there to walk his only daughter down the aisle. And he barely made it. But it mattered a lot to, to, to the family, to dad be there. So everything got shifted up. Eight, eight, eight weeks. Well, we got to talk about that, and I had a conversation with the church. Uh, it was a Sunday morning. Had permission from everybody to say, okay, folks, it's time for a family conversation. Can we talk for a moment? So this coming year, We get to celebrate with several families the arrival of wonderful little babies. It's going to be so fun. New life in our nursery, it's going to be great. We're going to celebrate. There's going to be showers and baby diapers and all kinds of noises and things. It's going to be fantastic. And this year as well, we as a congregation are going to walk two of our dear friends to the door. And we will. We will. We will walk courageously with them. We love them. We will care for their families. We will bring them meals. And I had to coach. I did over those next months. Let me talk to you very specifically about what that looks like. As, as, as they show up when they can, they can't handle dozens upon dozens of you going over and saying, tell me the latest. They just can't. So you need to care for them by giving a little bit of space and loving them. Some of you who are closer to them, you know who you are, have permission relationally to show up, bring Cookies or meals or whatever, but we don't need seventy-five casseroles. So, so we talked about what it would mean to walk people to the door as the church family. And I got very specific about things. I, I, from the pulpit, I said things like, "Let me let me encourage you with some things not to say. Here are some things. You, please don't say these things to grieving people. Like, well, you know, all things work together for good, don't they? This is true." And it's the wrong day to say it. Don't don't say to them, Well, apparently God needs your loved one more than you do. Don't say that. Um, so, so we, we, we end up talking about very practical things in the congregation. In both of those cases, yesterday came. I remember um, I remember the day Harry died, um, it was Sunday morning. Uh, they lived just a couple blocks from the church. I, I, we knew it was coming, and I'd been in and out of the house and knew any any time he'll be with the Lord. Good friend. And I remember finishing a sermon. We had just finished singing, um, My Chains Are Gone, you know. And I sat down in the front and put out a closing song, and somebody came and tapped me on the shoulder. I thought, oh, yeah, I know, I know. So I got up, said, folks, um, Harry's with the Lord. And I'm going to leave right away. So I won't be here to greet you. I'm going out that side door, and I'll be with the family. And I stood over there. And, uh, man, I remember that because this was not only the person in church. This was a friend. And you all know what that's like. There's a difference. You, you love all the older Mr. Barrett's wives and so on, as I mentioned earlier. But it's different when you get older, and they're your peers and friends, fishing partners right? Wow. As I, that afternoon, um, cared for the family and so on, and, and uh, folks hadn't come to, to, to take care of him yet. He's there in bed. And, and along the way here, I remember his wife stepping alongside me and said, and I know this is hard for you because you lost your friend. And I... Right away, I go, oh, don't do that, don't do that. I've got, come on, I've got my pastor face on. Don't do that, don't poke it, don't poke the beast. I, I can't do that right now. And I, I couldn't, otherwise I couldn't have cared for them. So you, right, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Gay face, here we go, I got it, and we're going to do this. And then I remember when Paula died, um, that was another longer death. Uh, active death, you know what I mean by that, of uh, caring for the family there overnight. And I remember sitting by her bed. Her husband was shutting his eyes. Just, he was so tired. And I remember knowing this is the moment and saying, Kassim, wake up. She's, she's going right now. So come. And we stood there and wept and we cried, Lord Jesus, help us. And we walked those two to the door. I just remember having to, having to talk to a congregation about this and helping them. And I, I, I say here, educate people. Educate yourself. Educate the people you serve about how to help other people grieve. All of these things. Um, something else that I have found helpful in terms of, of providing practical instruction, when, when a family in our church um, lets me in to that long-term death, we're going to walk together uh, when I have permission to do that, often I, I, we get invited into the home and we hear about what's going on. Uh, wherever possible, I work to be a steady companion and a faithful pastor to prepare them for death. Okay, That means very practical things. I'll ask them when I sense the time is right, um, it, the, including the person who is in, on the way out, you understand, and sometimes that's with the family, depending on what the need is, how do you feel about dying? I don't mean death, being with Jesus. How do you feel about dying? Any, any fear of that? Or what do you expect that to be like? Who will reflect on that? And um, they'll, a lot of times there's fear of pain and so on. And I'll talk to them about pain management. I know there's hospice, I know there's doctors, but they may not hear it well. And I'm not a medical doctor, but I know a few things and I know through the questions to ask because I've been there a few times and so I'll help them with the questions. Here's here are things I would suggest you ask your doctor. And don't be afraid to take those pain medications. Yes, I know if you take more morphine as those days come toward the end, you'll sleep more. I know it'll it'll it builds up toxicity in your body, it's gonna shorten the time you have left. But we don't want you to hurt. And it's okay. It's okay to to not hurt. No, that isn't suicide. It's not hurting. You can honor God that way. So don't be afraid. This is a God-honoring thing. So I talk about that. I talk with the family about signs of impending death. How to know when the hours are getting closer. Yeah, I've learned a little bit over the years. Here's some things to be aware of. I've talked to families. This is routine. When there's permission to do it, may I speak with you about caring for your loved one after death? Have you thought about that? When that person has died, what are you going to do? If you'd like me to come, you can call me. I'm available here my cell phone number. My cell phone is on all night, all the time. You can call me, and I'll come. Now, here's what happens to bodies after they die. Have you had those conversations with people? Um, Sometimes bodies twitch and move and make noises, et cetera, et cetera. There are a variety of things. Bodies. People need to know these things out of kindness so that they know what they're getting into. And I've had so many people thank me for being honest about that. Here's what it looks like when a funeral home comes to care for your loved one. Yes, I choose my words carefully. I don't say to take them away. Right? To care for your loved one. Here, here, here's what that's going to look like. Not everybody knows about body banks. Why would they know that? Unless you tell them. Why would they know that people glove up and wrap up and zip and seatbelt? Why would they know that? And you, you care for them, I and mean, you can tell them this. You can prepare for it this way, and it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And often if I'm present for that, I'll, I'll walk with them through. Would you like to be present? Would you like to be in the other room? If you want to be present, I'll be with you, and they care for you. And we'll talk through that. But I, I just think, I think it's kind to help folks. Just got to do that just a few months ago. One of our guys who who was diagnosed very quickly, and man, died very, very quickly. Um, they, they were surprised how quickly he went. I was less surprised uh, for a number of reasons, but I had the chance to have that conversation with all of them, him, while he was still conscious, and the family caring for him. It was it was very, very helpful. So prepare the people you serve for seasons of grief and loss, okay? So that's the second category. First category, care. you've got to learn how to care for your own heart, because you're you're a, a grieving person too. Second, we can prepare our people, and I think we should. I would argue that a pastor um, should make this part of his repertoire, not as a, oh, this is awful, but no, this is a part of life, and we're going to walk this road together, and I would help you. So, so there's that. And then this third category, my, my my third section, ministry leaders can use seasons of grief and loss for gospel good. Yes, yes, gospel good, not just because you have to, but but to point people to Christ and, and awareness of our mortality. No, this isn't forever. These bodies are for here. These bodies cannot stand the full glory of God. These bodies are made for here, when we see glimpses. But we need a different body to stand in His presence and get the full on glory of God on display. Without, you know, like Moses, God having to hide Him in the cleft of the rock, lest you see the full glory of God. No, then we'll see face to face, and that heavenly body will be able to handle it. So we, we we do well to speak of all of this. Your caring presence—I know you know these things—but I just remind us that in our in our pastoring, in our caring for people, being present is is so important, and that may mean acts or serv- acts of service or being quiet. I think it's a C.S. Lewis quote, either C.S. Lewis or, or Joe—is it Joe Brady? He's the—he's written a lot on grief and loss. I think it's one of those two. I think it's Lewis um, in *A Grief Observed*, where he says. One came... Something like this. I'm going to quote it wrong. One came and sat beside me. He quoted scripture. Talked incessantly. I was glad to see him go. Another came and sat beside me. Spoke briefly. Prayed briefly. I was sad to see him go. So we we need to learn how to be good caregivers in this. And to sense... When should I be speaking? When do I need to just step back and be in presence? One quick story I'll tell you that I, it just has been so helpful to me. Um, I know my own story is better than anybody else. But uh, some years ago, I was in Vancouver, Washington, um, youth pastor, assistant pastor, that kind of guy. And I, I got the phone call that one of our high school girls' dad had been killed. He was drinking and driving. He drove into a tree. He was supposed to go out hunting. Not a believing guy. He, he was drinking too much. So he was late at night trying to catch up with his hunting buddies. And he drove into a tree instead. So I got the call on a Saturday morning to, to go over to the house. And uh, his high school daughter, he had a high school daughter, and then a little girl who was probably six. By the time I got there, mom, of course, is, is man, she's surrounded by a whole bunch of friends. They're caring for her. And uh, I let her know that I was there. I was the pastor who got to come to that. And so I let her know I was there, but she was busy with her lady friends. It was good. It was good what I saw going on there. And then her high school daughter, she had a whole posse of her girlfriends, and they're all just hugging each other and crying. It was so good, and I told her I was there. And then I looked around, and I saw a little six-year-old standing in the door of the kitchen. they old little jammies. Nobody was there. So I went over to her. I knew I had family permission to do so. I said, honey, if you had breakfast, it's like 8 o'clock. She said no. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I think your mommy would be very happy if we found breakfast for you. She's hardly understanding what's going on, right? So we dug through the cupboards, and I found her Cheerios and milk and sat down with her at the table and and talked to her a bit about people being sad and how she might be sad too as this day unfolded. And it's okay to be sad as much as you can talk to a 6-year-old. And then she got done with breakfast and it's still all going on and nothing's changed. I said, I said, Honey, do you know, do you like to color? She said, Yes. So I where's the stuff, found it all anyway, sat down. And we colored for probably an hour. And we drew things and I talked to this little girl about life and the goodness of God and it was you know what you do with the little girl as you cared for her, Try to get help her to understand, okay, the morning came and went, and soon somebody else came and said, will oh, take care of her, get her dressed and all that. And it was, it was okay for me to step out. I did. I was there most of the morning. So fast forward several years. Everybody's grown up and so on. Little girl is now, oh, goodness, uh, twelve probably, 6th grade, not quite in the youth group with me yet. And we were moving. We were moving on, going to our current place of ministry. And the church threw a party, you know how they do, and people were going to come. And, and one of our older ladies picked up this little girl to bring her to this party for my wife and for me. And uh, she said, Do you know who Pastor Jay is? And here's her answer years later, right? She says, Yes, I know him. He's the man who colored with me the day my daddy died. And it was a reminder to me that my my presence at that moment wasn't all about reading scripture and you know, leading big pastoral things. It was about eating Cheerios and colouring. And that somehow that little girl remembered that. And I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I had the presence of mind at that moment to step into her life. And uh, You know, you can miss it. Sometimes you miss things. Wow. Wow. Well, maybe maybe even being quiet. Um, yes, indeed. When the time is right, yes, of course, remind grieving people of the nearness of God. Of course. There's a right time. Even if there's a wrong time, There's a right time to bring Scripture to bear, to step alongside. Can I I share something with you that I hope would encourage you? There's a right time for that. And usually the weeks and months to come, um, wow, this as well. It's okay to teach people how to lament. You know half the Psalms are laments. Some are individual laments, some are group laments, aren't they? The community. We we're sad, God. We're sad. Some of them are individual. I'm sad, and we're wise to help our folks learn how to lament. Lament isn't just complaining to God, but it's being sad with God in His presence and knowing that you're safe there to be sad. The Lord. Remember Psalm 34. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are what is it? Crushed, crushed in spirit. The Lord is near. So there's a time to, to bring all of those things to bear. So we care for our own hearts, we must. We must give our own self space, talk ourselves through we must grieve. And learn how to grieve all the hurts that come kind of attach themselves to us in life, and they do. And we need to teach our people, prepare them for seasons of grief and loss, and use those seasons for for gospel good. Now, a few practical things, if I may. We have like three minutes left. I encourage this. Um, you probably, as I do, have a section. I have sections in my library on all kinds of stuff. And I have a section on grief and loss, all kinds of them. I collect books on grief and loss. I, I try to read at least one or two good books on grief and loss every year, even if I don't think I need to. There's good stuff out there. I have some other stuff that's not so good, but find the good ones. Find the ones that just express raw pain I could, there's a whole lot that I have so and so lost a child and this is the book they wrote deep in their grief and somebody will need that book to help, to help them to grieve so, so find those things Joe Brady in a car accident you probably heard his story in one terrible car accident in the middle of nowhere lost a daughter, his wife, and his mother try sitting by the side of the road for an hour with all of that yeah, you'd write a book, too, if you survived. Man, what a terrible moment. But read, 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 read the Psalms. Don't be afraid to show emotion. What are we, Stoics? You get a prize if you don't cry? Man, get over that. Get over it. Like Jesus, weep. Weep with those who weep, and it may be you. And then I say, when you see a season of grief and loss coming, address it clearly. And talk to people how to grow in their faith during the seasons of life, all the seasons Um, Those those moments of shift, where you have to go from one thing to another, Um, I did another one recently, um, right before COVID, the the strong uh, shift, and again, Kevin will remember, I mean, my goodness, neither one of us or anybody in our church will forget Karen. Karen Smith, a little firecracker of a girl, 54 years old, came back from a mission trip to Indonesia with Paul Sager, uh, that whole crowd, uh, Indonesia. Came back, they were kind of rubby, thought, oh, I probably picked up something in Bali. She was full of cancer.
0: eight,
1: eight months later, she died. Went from mission trip to gone in a, such a short time. And you know, what? What do you mean you went in and it wasn't a, What do you mean? What do you mean you, you drank that stuff and you lit up like a Christmas tree? What do you mean it's everywhere in your body? Oh, Karen, dear friend of mine, ours. no. No, no, we need her. Come on, she's she's, she's a spark plug. Come on, Lord. Is in her brain. Starting to hurt. Doesn't want to hurt like this. Okay, I was going to go to the Philippines and speak. Way back in the woods. Yeah, really, it was over the river and through. It was through several rivers in a four-by to get back where we were down on Mindanao Island, south tip. Ministry leaders coming out of the bush, literally. Um, to spend a week talking about what it means to, to know Christ, I'll go to that. There's a cell phone tower. Weird. There's nothing else out here, but there's a cell phone tower. Uh, a couple local police with rifles. Um, and so part of that, there was an afternoon, and I'd been in touch at home. I knew the time was getting close for Karen. So Friday afternoon, the students are taking a quiz. I, I, you know, been teaching all week, and it's quiz time. As you work on that i'll be right back scooted down to a little seven dollar a day um, place where we were staying pretty rough and called her husband and he said i'm glad you called Um, i think it's any moment i'm going to put you on speakerphone so i got on speakerphone and had the conversation that you've had to say karen it's okay it's okay to go we're okay your husband's okay your family's okay and you can be with Jesus. She was not alert enough to answer. Her husband said, no, I think she heard you. I think she heard you. So I prayed with them and, and said a number of other things. And um, then you hang up. And you run back to the class. Okay, everybody. How the quiz go? And, of course, she died just a few hours later. I got that phone call when we got back to the city. Yeah, she's with the Lord. And I just, I just know for all of us... Um, we're pastors and pastors' wives and ministry leaders. We are not supermen and superwomen. We are humans. Full of emotion, all of us. And we hurt. We hurt. We grieve. We have losses. We feel them deeply. And so even as we care for others, we start here with ourselves and the Lord. And we got to walk that, that road of grief ourselves. And we teach our people what it looks like to grieve in faith, to grieve in hope, we do we embrace this we point them to Jesus if there were time to talk I would suggest these but our, our time is gone um, how does it work in your local setting I didn't even know there was a, such a thing as a awake do people do that anymore really wow I, I, I was an adult before I really knew what that was you do what never heard of that what, what are local things there are things that people do up in the Northwest, we're the leaders in um, some of the things that are being developed for caring for a body. Uh, human composting. Pacific Northwest, have you ever heard of that? Water composting. Water, yeah, yeah, that, that's right up the road. Uh-huh, the world headquarters of both of those are in Washington State. I could tell you about it. I won't.
0: <laughs>
1: and, then, and then I would ask you this. Have you ever made a mistake? you ever said something wrong? Oh, my goodness. And here are a few books that some of these I have found very helpful. I've got a longer list than that, but I've liked all of these. The Journey Home, Bill Bright. It's out of print. I always buy several copies. At, use bookstores whenever I find it. And I give that copy to a family who, when I have permission, who's walking a road green. Okay? I'm going to leave that up. I'm going to pray for us. And uh, you can stick around and talk. I'll stick around. But uh, I can hand this to you in writing if you want. If you, if you want everything in writing, I have my notes. In case there in case this didn't work, this is everything I just said.
0: <laughs> All right?
1: So, I'm going to pray, and we can do this. Father, thank you for the afternoon. Thank you for these dear people, each one of us, uh, human, human to the core, um, indwelt by the Spirit of God, yes, faith in Christ, absolutely, full of hope, and yet we walk in this veil of tears. So help us, Father, to do it well, for our own good before you, for the growth of our own faith, and also for the care of those we love and serve. Help us to be good caregivers in these right gospel moments. In Jesus' name, Thanks for coming out this afternoon. God bless you all and all your ministry. Yeah.
0: Come see those.